We'll get to uh, the debacle that is known as the NBA All-Star Game here in a bit in the All-Star Weekend. Uh, it was sad to hear this weekend that the great lefty Drizel passed away. Um, of course, for me as a kid, he was known best as the Maryland head coach, right? Like that was who lefty Drizel was for me. Then, of course, uh, became the James Madison coach, which was you know wild because you know I'm here at Old Dominion and the CAA getting to see him all the time, which was uh, was quite fun, except for one season, of course. Uh, that we'll relive here when Darren McClinton joins us at uh, 335. Uh, former James Madison, uh, two-time captain at JMU, was a point guard on, yes, the goodness forsaken Kent Coluco team that beat the Monarchs to get lefty. His uh, one tournament bid with uh, James Madison, of course, Georgia State was uh, in town here this weekend, and news came out Saturday morning, obviously, about lefty, and you know he'd retired in this area about 20 years ago. Uh, it was from here, of course. You know, went to Granby. Court was named after him a few years back, and finally got into the Naismith Hall of Fame here in the last few years after you know being held out for so long. The Len Bias situation certainly muddied the waters in that, but he was always deserving as a coach. I mean, again, four schools: Davidson, Maryland, Madison, and of course Georgia State, where he won over a hundred games. You know, went to tournaments influenced so many players, was a great promoter of the sport, um, one of the true personalities. I mean, we were just talking about this last week, how much men's college basketball, men's college basketball, lacks personality in a face and characters. And, you know, a lot of the great coaches have retired here recently. Uh, and, of course, Mike Krzyzewski, Jim Beheim, and, you know, Jay Wright, shockingly, you know, retired very young, even though he was still killing it at Villanova. So it was kind of worn down a little bit, watered it down, if you will, in college basketball, uh, in a sense. And again, the players with all the movement, you don't really get to know them like you used to. And anyway, so Lefty Drizel was a was a huge figure uh, in college ba- in the sport of college basketball. Is credited for the beginning of March Madness and a lot of great things. And of course, he grew up here and, and kept his roots here in Norfolk and in Virginia Beach, which is awesome. So uh, we'll get to uh, some remembrances of him with uh, Darren McClinton, who played for him at Madison, as I mentioned before, at three thirty-five this hour, five o'clock. Tony Massenberg, who played, he was in the last Maryland team of uh, Coach Drizel's. And um, Tony always uh, really loved Lefty, even though he played for Gary Williams as well, as well as Bob Wade in between. And so we'll um, get those guys' memories of him as a coach and as a person. Uh, I thought that would be good to bring those guys in today. So look forward uh, to doing that with you uh, throughout. And obviously a lot of you out there probably have some type of um, – Memories of Lefty, we'll certainly take those in the text line. Our phone lines at 757-687-9494, 757-687-9494 as we move on throughout the show today. Full four hours, we've, we've got nothing holding us back. We're going the whole way, and I guess they're going to run the uh, Super Bowl of Racing in the middle of our show today. They right? are indeed. Although, by the way, small thing. Now, again, I get it. I'm getting older here. Memories not as good as it used to. Didn't the great American race, wasn't that like the Indianapolis 500 for a while? I believe so. And now yeah. NASCAR is kind of rolling with that, right? I think they started rolling with that when NASCAR was at its peak, and right. nobody was going to argue, so they yeah. just sort of let it go. Okay. I was just curious about that. But anyway, I feel like I had heard that for IndyCar before, for the Indy 500. Or was the Indy 500 the all-American race? Maybe that's what it was. Something American. Dang it. I know that. Well, I mean, NASCAR, America. It's yeah, kinda, it is. It's kind of there. Well, I always thought that was kind of weird, but anyway... So we'll uh, we'll keep you updated on that as that goes along, and hopefully it's dry down there because apparently it's ridiculous this weekend. So here's I would start by saying this on the NBA All Star Weekend. Not surprised that the game was no defense, 
uh, free space to shoot and score because that's what it's become, right? Like this is just where it is. Um, the NFL basically took a knee on playing any type of organized football a few years ago, any real kind of football. A few years ago, brought this flag football component in because their game had become such a joke. Um, nobody was trying. Nobody wanted to get hurt. And again, can you blame them? Like if you had a favorite player on your favorite team go down at a postseason all-star game with an injury, imagine how devastating that would be, right, for football. Oh, of course. Now think about this. This is the middle of the NBA season, right? So one of these stars of these teams goes down. Say you're a Bucks fan who's hoping, I don't know, the Bucks get their you-know-what together before the season's over, and Giannis goes up for a block last night and breaks his wrist or something. You know, you know what I'm saying? So I understand it, okay? There's a lot of money invested in these players, a lot of money in this game. Why they would be less than excited to get floor burns. But, you know, I, I don't think we're asking for floor burns. We're just saying, like, some level of, I don't know, summer league pickup, you know, which is also dangerous because you're going to play. But there's always some type of inherent danger of competing. But there's just really no compete at this point. And I don't think there's any fixing it. I don't think there's, an, I don't think there's a dollar figure that's going to change anything about this. I don't think there's some, you know, goofy trophy or, a, a, you know, maybe a championship belt that's going to change it. We've gone through this with the dunk competition. Again, your best dunker is a G-leaguer. You know, and again, props to Matt McClung. I mean, right, right. who wouldn't want to be able to jump that high at his his size over Shaquille O'Neal? I mean, you know, I mean, not to you know, it's crazy. Gate City, right? Gate City, Virginia. You know, props to him. Commonwealth, baby. Uh, Commonwealth strong. All right, all that stuff. But it's a crap competition. I mean, we had one real NBA player that anybody knows in the competition, and good for him, by the way, yeah. for doing it. And, you know, he spoke out about it this week. We're talking about Jalen Brown and you know, the Celtics in a marquee team, a team that's playing for something. Um, you know, his point, and it's so true, guys just don't want to be embarrassed. Really. In, in the day, as yeah. he put it in the day and age of media, no, it's social media, guys don't want to be embarrassed. This is why LeBron James, biggest, baddest dude of his generation, you know, winner, wherever he's been, is scared to be in the dunk competition. It's embarrassing. It, it is embarrassing. It's one of the reasons I've never been a LeBron guy, to be honest. Yeah. I know it's a, it might seem like a small yeah. thing, but it's really not. No, it, it's weird to me that he's like that. But anyway, but all these things, they're, they're just telling you, there's nobody wants to really compete anymore. They want the weekend off. They're telling you this and why the NBA continues to drag this out. And, you know, I don't know what the TV ratings are going to be. I, I really don't care. I mean, it, I honestly fell asleep in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't miss I much fell in the second asleep half. in the first half, and I woke up and they're like one of those like, huh? My wife's like, "What are you doing? Are you asleep?" I'm like, "Yeah, I guess so. Just turn on whatever you want. This sucks." Um, 397 combined points, 211 by the East, most of any teams. 107 points the second half by the East. <laughs> 67 combined three pointers. Look, here's the good news. We used to complain the shooting wasn't any good anymore. There's some great shooters in the league. I mean, there's some great shooters. I mean, the, the East are shooting 43%. So these guys can make shots in an empty gym, which essentially it is with fans in the stands. Um, you know, and it, it sucks if you go to the game, I guess, and pay money for it. But, you know, that's on you. I mean, you know what you're oh, going to yeah. get. I mean, I think it's more of a me problem now. I really don't think the All-Star game is a problem anymore. I think it's me for having expectations of seeing something different that I'm going to get, which is garbage. Uh, you know, in terms of competition, I just wish All Star Saturday Night was fun again. But it's it's not really great either. You know, the dunk competition is a disaster. So I don't know what they do. I mean, could they do a three on three thing? I, I have no idea what what it should be. Um, that's for Adam Silver. He gets paid the big bucks to figure out. I mean, hockey's a, a weird thing too. They play that weird pod thing where they play for yeah. a period of time. I don't even know who's playing on whose team anymore. Um, the only thing that's close to 
decent in terms of all-star games is the is the baseball all-star game. And, you know, it's individuals kind of going after it's a as I say, it's individual skills in a team oriented sport, right? Baseball is like that. So it still works. Now, they kind of screwed it up for a while when they tried to make it mean everything, right? Oh, it's going to be home field. Oh, they took it too far, yeah. They took it too far. And I think theirs is the right mix. And it's still kind of a joke. I mean, you got guys in the outfield on microphones doing interviews while the ball's being hit at them and stuff like that. But it is more fun. And I think the problem is that this is nobody's fault. For me, this is what I think has changed all-star games for me. Over time, if you're of our age group or, or, or older – the only way you would see some of these players back in the day is like an all-star weekend, a playoff game, or a Monday Night Football, or whatever. It would be a national game. Now you see everything everywhere. You have Sports Center, You see tons of highlights. You, got, you can watch the games live, out-of-town teams, markets, et cetera, et cetera. You have interleague play at a, at a high rate in baseball now. Uh, you know, In the NBA, you still only see the teams in the West once a year or twice a year, once there, once your place. But you see the teams enough. Like There's just tons of basketball on. And again, the money is so great. And we're in a load management era where they, they think the rest is so important. You know, send your hate mail to Greg Popovich, okay? Because mm-hmm. he really brought mm-hmm. this to light. It's his fault. You know, I just think we've seen it all before. It's just, there's nothing different about the All Star Week. There's no personal grudges or personal animus as we had back in the day. Nobody wants to freeze out MJ or nobody hates on whoever, you know, because they're in their hometown or whatever. There's none of that stuff. You don't you don't get any of that anymore. It's not personal for them, and and it's also our fault. Our generation, the older people uh, who had kids and made you know we always want to make things better for your kids. Well, here you go. You got to suck the All Star game now. You made it so good for your kids. The All Star game sucks. Okay, yeah, <laughs> it's your fault because you wanted to you know you wanted timeouts versus spankings and all this other stuff. You wanted participation <laughs> trophies for your kids, and now your All Star game stink. I hope you're happy. Helicopter parenting just ruined a generation. Thanks a lot, everybody. It's all our faults. No, I mean, I don't. You can't fix it. Again, the money's not going to matter. And I don't even know why you even try to. It's just a weekend for guys to get sponsorships and sponsors to, you know, glad hand each other and pat themselves on the back at this point. It's just not going to be good basketball. And you just gotta be you gotta be ready for it. You just gotta know it's not gonna be basketball. You gotta lean into that. If you haven't yeah. leaned into that already yeah. and, and realize that all star games are basically the Westminster Kennel Club dog show. Yes. Now. That's that's a really that's good all way it to is. put it. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. And look, I'm happy guys shoot really well at a high percentage in what is essentially an empty gym. That's good. I mean, by the way, how's Troy Halliburton not the MVP of the basketball game? I mean, he was like yeah. ten of fourteen from three. I think he only missed four shots. I mean, Lillard took a million more shots. Uh, Halliburton actually, you know, looked like he was trying to help people, grabbed a few rebounds. I mean, it was his hometown game, for goodness sakes. What was that all about? Oh, they never give it to the hometown guy. Uh-huh. That's, that's that's like an old wrestling thing. If I a know. guy's wrestling in his hometown, he's never going to win sort of thing. You know? I know. I guess what it was. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, who cares? It's just like, why even get upset about it anymore? It's just, it's a goofy exhibition that means nothing. And, and again, all the all-star games essentially stink, except for baseball, is okay. And it's still not great. You know, it's still not great. But it's better. Better than the rest. Major the, League Baseball, home of the OK All-Star Game. The OK game. All-Star Game. That should be a slogan. <laughs> Major League Baseball, we have OK All-Star Games, unlike the rest of the uh, big sports. Oh, my god. Yeah. I mean, just make it a farce. Like, again, may, maybe have a Nerf hoop competition. I don't know. Uh, something, some trick shots, uh, horse, horse, around the world tournament. Did they know. try horse once? Oh, no, that was during the pandemic yeah. when they did the yeah. remote thing. That's the remote right. horse game. Yeah. I mean, you got to do something different. But this is, you know. 
This is bad. I, I, and again, Adam Silver was so just downtrodden when he handed over the trophy last night and down and out. Well, here's the good news. At least it went better than St. John's game did yesterday against Seton Hall. Uh, Rick Bettino, former Celtics coach, among other stops, Hall of Fame coach, by the way, um, Maybe it's time for him to take a break and find something else. We'll get to that coming up next. Scott Jackson Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We are brought to you by Larry King Law. Injured in an accident, call 757-INJURED, 757-I-N-J-U-R-E-D. All right, coming up, uh, 335, Derek McLinton, who was a um, captain for Lefty Drizel and was on the team that uh, James Madison uh, put in the NCAA tournament with Lefty, will join us uh, to talk about his former coach who passed away this weekend. Uh, at the age of 92, um, our poll question of the day on the X at Jackson Sports at ESPN Radio 941 brought to you by Dominion Floor Coverings is which star is more likely to win another NBA title? LeBron, Steph, KD, and Giannis. Giannis running away with it. Obviously, he has longevity on his side. Uh, he's at 71.7%. Steph Curry, 189 KD, 75 And nobody's buying into LeBron and the Lakers anymore. Maybe the announcement that he said he wanted to be a Laker for life scared everyone off. I'm not sure. One point nine percent. It's a smart bunch we've got there. Yeah, it is a smart bunch. You probably shouldn't have put Giannis on the list, but whatever. Uh, they're struggling right now. They're not playing very well. So, anyway, uh, Rick Pitino's team struggling. Rick Pitino. Let me just make this clear. He is a tremendous coach. He's one wherever he's been, except for the Celtics. He will be a uh, Hall of Fame coach someday. There'll be a day he'll be put in the Hall of Fame whenever he retires, and who knows? It, it, it's just great. It may be next week because he uh, let it be known yesterday that he's not really enjoying his time with St. John's. They lost again yesterday after having a large lead in this basketball game, and here was uh, some of the highlights of Rick Pitino after this loss to Seton Hall. I think they're unathletic. I don't think they move well laterally. I don't think they're going to pick it up in the next week. Uh, I think they're slow laterally. I mean, Sean Conway gives you everything he can. He's slow laterally. About five guys are slow laterally. Even, even the Celtics, when we lost, I've enjoyed every minute being a Boston Celtic coach. Didn't like the fact that we lost in that following year, but this has been the most unenjoyable experience I've had since I've been coaching. Do you have any second thoughts of taking this job? No, not at all. It's not St. John's. It's my team. I think they're very respectful. They hear, but they don't listen. It's taken me a month to get them to throw bounce passes. Actually, two months to throw bounce passes. Just thinking of getting ready for Georgetown because Georgetown could definitely beat us. I'm not even thinking of the future at all. I'm just thinking of the next game and the next game and the next game, and that's it. uh, Just try to get as many wins as you possibly can and represent St. John's in the best fashion you can. Well, I, I will say this. I don't know if this is best representing St. John's. Uh, no, <laughs> Putting no. your kids on. But actually, literally talking about a kid being unathletic and calling him out by name. Um, how he couldn't move laterally. Uh, how they listen, but they they, they hear, but they don't listen. Um, you know, again, welcome welcome to 2024, pal. Yeah. Um, lack toughness, don't move on defense. And, you know, it's it's the team. It's not St. John's. Of course, not him. <laughs> of course not Of course not. not, not no, no, that'd be crazy. Listen, there, there's a lot of coaches that probably feel the exact same way Rick Pitino does, but they don't go in a press conference and say it in front of an open microphone. So I guess in part, you can say, hey, well, that was really cool. At least he was honest with us. 
Yeah, there's just some things that are like supposed to be kept inside the team, you know, in the confines of the team. You say this is your locker room. You want to tear these kids apart, so be it. I mean, do that. But this was unbecoming of a coach of his stature. It really was. It was embarrassing for him. I don't know if he realizes that yet or if he'll ever realize it. And I know you're thinking, Scott, could he really embarrass himself anymore? Do you remember the restaurant story? Yes, I do. All right. And it still skis me out. Okay. Well, I see, and I hear closing time. I think of Rick Pitino and it freaks me out. All right. Anyway. <laughs> All that being said, this is, even for Rick Pitino with his sleazy past, this is low. I mean, this is low. I mean, yeah, you came in, you took St. John's. They weren't good, dude. That's why the job was available. I mean, what did you expect? You didn't get every, you're not getting the Kentucky players. You're not getting the kids you got at Louisville. You know, this is the new world order, buddy. St. John's is not a power, not a power five school anymore in college basketball. They haven't been for a long time. They're not good. So yeah, you're not going to get all the things you want to in the off season, you know, and I don't know how much NIL money, you know, Rick Pitino is going to have at his disposal at St. John's moving forward. But, you know, you're going to have to, you know, use some of that Hall of Fame coaching uh, resume uh, at some point to coach some of these guys up. And it sounds like he's going to be more than happy to, you know, go portaling in this off season, right? Yeah. And it almost seems like he, he feels like he can coach them, but he can't reach them. Yeah, and if that's the case, then maybe it's time to uh, explore other options. Because, I mean, part of it is being able to reach these younger guys, right? Yeah. And, and I know that sometimes it can seem impossible, but there's guys that are doing it. So, and part of that motivation is money. I understand that, but if he's just, you know, he st- doesn't mean he's not a great coach. He just yeah. might not be great at reaching, you know, teens and twenty-something-year-old kids anymore. Yeah, he's 71. He comes off, you know, talking like a guy who's totally lost touch with his players and isn't going to be able to reach him anytime soon. Well, I'll give you a hint. Um, this isn't going to help you. No. <laughs> Probably not going to help you. Now, you should be Georgetown. Oh, my God. If you can't be Georgetown, forget it. But, yeah, this isn't going to help you. I mean, at one point in this game, they were actually leading by a significant amount. So, they can't be completely stupid. Uh, you know, and uh, uncoachable because they knew what they were doing there. But I mean, I just for a guy his stature or what at least be at, at one point at stature it looked like he was kind of making a comeback after uh, doing well with Iona and then taking this job. I mean, this just this is bad. I mean, really. I mean, is this a, is this what you want? To send your kid to play to a guy who's going to talk like that in a post game about him? I mean, you know. I mean, beyond that, do you really even want to walk into practice the next day? Right, yeah, there's that too, right? Because I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's you do because it's your your quote unquote job, I guess. You know, as a student, you, you hate right. to use the word job, but at the same time, like it, you, that's a responsibility of yours. But if that's if that's the guy that's supposed to be your leader, ugh. yeah, it's supposed to have all the answers, right? You know, like you're supposed to have answers for you and make guys better. You know, coach them up. You know, it's just I don't know. Very weird. Uh, very unbecoming of even for Rick Pitino yesterday. I just thought this was that was ridiculous. Yeah, to sum it up, uh, I'm trying, but you guys suck. Yeah, That's basically exactly. what he said. So yeah, no, he, so he is a Hall of Famer already. Actually, it was 2013. Thank you, Rich. Well, probably, it was probably. 2013 before the uh, scandal at Louisville. <laughs> he got in, so they didn't take him out for that. Probably good that he's in now. Yeah, yeah, this isn't helping. Yeah, again, I, I I was one of the people like remember when he went to Greece for a while. He coached over there, and they came back, took over uh, Iona. I was like, oh, okay, you know, he's still got he's still got the touch, right? He's still he's still got it. And you know, they got off to a pretty good start at uh, at St. John's, and they've since dropped six of eight. And uh, apparently, he can't deal with it. 
Apparently, it's just uh, been too much for him. By the way, do you, you were a Celtics fan during that time period. Were you enjoying Rick Pitino's coaching with the Celtics? I was not. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. I mean, I talk about revisionist history. Well, I enjoyed coaching the Celtics. Really? Because not a lot of people enjoy oh, that. Oh, I, I can tell you that the whole uh, Robert Parrish is not work, walking through that door, <laughs> Kevin McKinnon. When he started that, <laughs> I was... I was uh, on another level of furious when he started saying that kind of stuff. Yeah, that was so. weird. That was weird. But anyway, yeah, this is not a, uh, yeah, this is not what you would expect from like a, as they say, leader of men. Uh, this is not what you would expect from that. It's just to th- throw player after player under the bus. You know, not only are they unathletic, he's telling us they're stupid and they don't listen, <laughs> and uh, they don't know how to, you know, they don't know the basics of basketball. They don't know how to throw bounce passes and all this stuff. And again, all these things could be very true. I'm sure they are you know, true, but you know, I've I've had conversations with coaches over the years with these, you know, do the, uh, you know, the before the games, and they tell you a lot of stuff, but they never say it on the record. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't. They might tell you some things that frustrate them about their team, things that keep them up at night, but they're sure as hell not going into a post game press conference and throwing the entire team under the bus. No, no, they're not. <laughs> I mean, it's just terrible. And again, you're you're the one who's supposed to be there to make them better, coach. I mean, she's. That's just, I mean, if you're saying, and if you're St. John's and you're like, we took a flyer to bring this guy back to talk like this about these groups. I don't know. Can't feel great today. I'll be fascinated to see how his team plays from the rest of the way. I don't know. Hey, maybe they go on a run. Maybe they, <laughs> maybe this embarrassing moment will, uh, will, will start something great, or maybe they'll just completely quit on him. <laughs> no, I think we should force Rick Pitino to go coach the Detroit Pistons. Right. I think that should be his punishment. That should be his punishment for sure. The Pistons. And, well, that'd be punishing the Pistons fans unfairly as well. Well, they've already been punished for over a decade now. That's Once, a very good I mean, point. This can't be worse. They have been punished a lot. Hey, coming up at uh, three, uh, 4 o'clock, excuse me, 31 minutes from now, we'll get to uh, football at 4, uh, franchise tag uh, candidates. We'll talk about that. You have uh, can start tomorrow tagging players uh, here prior to free agency. So we will uh, get to that coming up in the uh, 4 o'clock hour. All right, coming up next, uh, our pleasure will be to bring in Derek McClinton, talking about uh, former uh, Hall of Fame coach Lefty Drizell passed away over the weekend. Uh, Lefty, of course, uh, grew up in this area, went to uh, went to Granby as a court named after him and was retired here uh, over the last uh, two-plus decades after getting out of basketball and finishing coaching at Georgia State. We'll get Darren's uh, take on playing for him. He was part of that team that beat Old Dominion um, on that Kent Kaluka fluky shot back in the day that was Lefty's uh, one NCAA tournament uh, team with the Duke. So we'll uh, talk to Darren about that coming up on the other side. Uh, of a James with him uh, update. Uh, again, 757-687-9494. If you want to hit us up via the text line or the Valley Hoos phone line, 757-687-9494. Scott Jackson Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio, 94.1. We are brought to you by Larry King Law, James Witham, Scott, your sports center. Scott Jackson Show here, Priority Auto Sports Radio, 94.1. We're brought to you by Larry King Law. My pleasure right now via the Valley Hoos guest line to bring in former James Madison uh, basketball star, Darren McLinton, good enough to join us. He's the head of McLinton Basketball Academy works with a lot of NBA players and good enough to give us some time now to talk about his former college coach, the great Lefty Drizell. How you doing today, Darren? I'm great, Scott. Thanks for having me, man. No doubt. I figured you'd be a great person to share some uh, stories about uh, what was a legendary career, right? Lefty Drizell, uh, four different colleges, 100-plus wins. I mean, you and I grew up in the D.C. area probably remember him best as, as the Maryland coach. So what was that like for you, you know, as, as a kid from that area, being recruited by James Madison and knowing you'd have a, pl- a chance to play for uh, Lefty Drizell? 
Well, that that was everything to me during the recruiting process. Um, actually, having an opportunity to play for such a uh, a high level coach, you know, it, it, he was a he's a Hall of Famer, and we all in that area knew he was going to be a Hall of Famer whenever he finished coaching because we got to see him firsthand uh, what he did at Maryland, and uh, when he got to James Madison, actually, my high school, Springbrook High School in Silver Spring, Maryland is where uh, Chuck Drizell, his son, also played. And uh, it was kind of an easy, it was an easy recruit for him because I was right at, right at his home high school. And, you know, when they showed interest in me and, and I saw there was an opportunity to play for, even though that was a mid-major, kind of mid-major plus program at the time, um, it, it, the way he runs things and the way he ran things was was top of the line and it was it was first class and it was like a high major program in Harrisonburg uh Virginia so when I saw the opportunity I, I jumped at it because I wanted to play for a guy who you know his his, his standard was excellence you know and he wanted to be the best and you know I, I wanted to be the best that I could be so I felt that I was gonna have a good a good opportunity to do that under Coach Drizell. Well, a lot of accolades in your career at uh, James Madison, including being the captain uh, for two seasons there. So clearly Lefty uh, trusted you a lot and, and uh, leaned on you a lot. What was that relationship like, and how did it develop like from the freshman version of you to by the time you're, you're a junior and a, and a senior? Well, one thing about Lefty, he, he, he doesn't shortcut anything, and he, he, he's very honest. So when he recruited me there, he told me straight up that I was – going to be backing up when I first got there I was going to be backing up Brian Edwards who was a, a standout uh, point guard that came in from Boston College and he said you're going to have the opportunity once he leaves to uh, you know run the program or and, and be the point guard um, but at the same time he's still bringing in the best talent that he can so he, they, he was still recruiting the best available players out there and because of how good of a coach he was, we, you know, we just had talent coming in and, and, and guys that were turning down uh, bigger programs to come into JMU. So that kept my competitive drive going, and I had to compete every single day against top-notch talent. And I, I really thank him for that because I think I became a pro uh, because of that. And then him, him entrusting in me, and, and I, I made a lot of plays for him. Uh, he, he knew that he could trust me. Um, more so offensively than defensively, we all know that. But he um, he, he he trusted me and, and put the program in my hands, and I and I appreciate that. So it was it was a, a very good relationship. He's he's like a mentor. He's like a father figure. So you know he he looked at me as like one of his sons. Now over the years, um, you know I know that uh, you, you guys kept keep in touch with former coaches. Uh, how, how did that relationship continue? Uh, you know as time went on with with you and coach and some of the other players. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, man, because you know Lefty has has touched so many players, and he's he's coached and had relationships with so many guys from so many different levels. So even even a player that maybe wasn't a standout for him, they they still have a, a great relationship with coach and keep in touch with coach. And uh, you know his 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 phone is always open, his door is always open, and. To be honest with you, Scott, I, um, you know, a bunch of us went up to the, his Hall of Fame induction, and I bought a souvenir um, 
basketball. And I had been saying to, uh, to, to Chuck, his son, that I need to get down there, get him to sign it. And then the last time I talked to Coach, I told him, I said, I'm, I'm coming in and I need you to sign that, my basketball. And he was like, well, you know, in, in, in his voice, well, you need to bring your behind or tail. <laughs> you need to bring it. You need to get down here. And, I, and that's, one of, that's one of my regrets as I, I received the news, Scott, man, that um, I, I did not make it down there uh, recently, most recently, to, to get that signed. Um, and now I, I can hang on to some of our, you know, most recent and last conversations. And it was, it was always love. He always asked about my brother. He always asked about my mother. You know, Coach still had his wits about him. So he, he, we would talk about old times, you know, at James Madison. And, you know, he's just, he's just a great, great guy. And, uh, you know, I'm really, I'm really going to miss him. Darren McClinton is with us, uh, former James Madison Duke, uh, of course, one of the great players, played under Lefty Drizel. Good enough to give us some time here. Scott Jackson Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1, joins us via the Valley Who's guest line. What was it like when you guys, and, and this is hard for me to do, you know this, we've had this conversation before uh, as an Old Dominion guy, when you finally got the, the tournament, beat no to you in the CAA championship on an illegal screen um, by Lewis Rowe, uh, but Kent Kaluka <laughs> was open because of that. And, and, but you get it for Lefty, and he'd been so close so many years because he had been one of the top teams. What, what was that like for you guys as a group and, and knowing what that meant to him? Because obviously going through what he went through at Maryland to then get back into, onto that stage. Absolutely, Scott. It, that that was such a special moment. Um, we had when, when I was coming in, we I think we had won the regular season or had the had the best record in the regular season for like five straight years, and just couldn't get over that that hump. So my freshman year, we went to the NIT because we lost to the last seed East Carolina team that came in and played a hell of a game, um, and that was just it was like a curse. Uh, over over big coach we call him big coach um and then my sophomore year we you know we were battling old dominion and we got to that final game and it, it just seemed like uh oh man we we were down by maybe close to 15 at halftime scott man and it looked yeah. like it was gonna happen again right and then we we rallied and we rallied and we got into striking distance and that that last time out it only happened because because I don't even think we had a timeout. I think Coach Purnell, Oliver Purnell, called the timeout for us. You know, because it was uh, it was kind of like a scramble. Um, uh, Odell Hodge blocked our shot, and and it went out of bounds. And you know, we were getting ready to just run something on the fly, and and then Coach Purnell called a timeout, and it gave us a chance to run that little picket fence thing with the. Uh, "Quote unquote moving screen, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it was. I, I just, I'm just so glad that Odell. You know, he was he was the MVP of the league, I believe, and you know, such a good player. I'm just so glad he did not shade to the outside, and there was a little window, a space where Clayton Ritter hit uh, Kent coming off of that into the corner, and that was the shot that that really sent Coach back to the tournament, and we were so happy for him. And he, you know, after the game, he did his his famous fist pump and you know everybody went and hugged him and it was just a celebration it was it was a great time for for coach and then he went on to uh uh take georgia state to the tournament as well and turn that program 
around as well. So, you know, it's it's, it's the standard and, and the love for winning that Coach Drizelle has that, you know, you, you, you feel like you're letting them down if you don't win for them, you know. So it's uh, – uh, to answer your question – it was it it was a great it was a great feeling for the players, and most importantly, sending coach back where he deserves, which is that NCAA tournament. Well, it is great to know that you know he was able to get into the Hall of Fame finally a few years ago, and it, it took way too long. I think we all uh, were frustrated by that. That, that grew up uh, in particular in the D.C. area, watched him, and as you probably know, the great late John Thompson, who was a Hall of Famer at Georgetown, even though they were kind of rivals in the market for a long time and had become very good friends over the years. And, and Big John was consistently pushing lefties' name out there. And I, I, the only, my only regret for that whole situation is that Big John wasn't still alive to have been part of that because I know he wanted that for Lefty so bad. So it was great when it finally happened. I'm glad Lefty was alive for, for that moment because, as you know, so often in times these guys go in after, after life and it's just so disappointing when they don't get to enjoy it, but it sounds like you guys got to go up there and enjoy that with him and, and a lot of other former players. Yes, it was great. Uh, we we jumped in the car, uh, a bunch bunch of my teammates, and we jumped in the car and drove up. And when we got there, you know, it were representatives from Davidson, Maryland, Georgia State, and JMU, and and it was it was just beautiful to see. You know, it just shows how successful of a coach he was and I was like I've got to be there firsthand because I know this speech is going to be <laughs> memorable you know he lefty was never a guy that was short short of words and uh and as I expected he, he gave a great uh acceptance speech and you know they they were giving him a time limit and he <laughs> he was like to hell with that time limit I'm gonna say what I need to say and it was beautiful so um it was it was a great time there, and it was it was also about time. Yeah, you know, and and he wasn't shy about letting people know. Yeah, y'all finally let me in, you know, and, and we all felt the same way. It was it was it was about time, but it was much deserved, very very much deserved. Well, that's great. Well, again, uh, so sorry for you and all the former guys who were touched by lefty over the years, but you do have some great memories, and obviously, you lived a, a very full life uh, and uh, just in so many places. Uh, as you said, so many people uh, have great lefty memories of the, the things he was able to do as a coach and as a mentor. So, uh, Darren, we do appreciate you giving us some time uh, to give us uh, your insights. Uh, doing great work with McGlinton Basketball Academy. I understand Jalen Smith, the Portsmouth native, and you were getting some work in this weekend uh, on the uh, off weekend for the NBA, huh? Absolutely. They, uh, the the All Star game is in Indian was in Indianapolis, and he he's there for the for the Pacers and. So he had a few days off, but he didn't go to any of the parties and the festivities. He was just, you know, ready to put the work in. It's a contract year for him, so it's, uh, you know, it's all about business with him. So he's he's a very hard worker. So we were we were up there getting a lot of shots up and um, sharpening up, and you know, he's ready to finish the season strong. Awesome. Well, we look forward to seeing him play down the stretch. They're having a have an exciting season up there. All right, Darren, thanks, man. I appreciate your time as always. Take care. Yeah, thank you. All right, Darren McGlinton, uh, former James Madison star with us here. Scott Jackson Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We're brought to you by Larry King Law. All right, thank you to uh, Derek McGlinton. And, um, man, my memory sucks. Um, <laughs> getting my years confused. So, Lefty Rizal went into the Naismith Hall of Fame in 2018, 
So uh, I forgot, too, that uh, John Thompson and George Raveling were among those that inducted him. So Big John was there. Uh, but this was a big uh, thing for him for a long time, was talking about Lefty and trying to get him in. Uh, Lefty had been in the College Basketball Hall of Fame since 2007. But again, the, the uh, Naismith Hall of Fame, which is the big one, in Springfield in 2018, and Big John Thompson, in addition to George Raveling, uh, among others, were there uh, for that amazing ceremony uh, for Lefty Drizel. And you know, he did as, as Darren said, blew through the the, the wrap up line and all that stuff, and mm-hmm. did about 15 plus minutes on his uh, on his speech. But that's what you get when you made him wait so long. He's going right. to have to have a little extra to say, right? Um, you know, in addition to all the great college stuff, you know, we mentioned Granby, and they named the uh, floor after him a few years ago, Charles Lefterzell, uh floor a few years back. Um, he started coaching there, coached at Newport News High School as a gentleman on the text line, uh, wanted me to mention too, and then, then it was the Davidson from there, and then obviously Maryland, James Madison, Georgia State. Talking to people at Georgia State this week, and they really had uh, a lot of fond memories of him, including their current coach, Jonas Hayes, who... You know, credits Lefty for kind of helping unlock the keys to how you can win at Georgia State and what he was able to do there in a short period of time over his uh, last part of his career. That was his last stop, 97 to 2003. So, anyway, we'll uh, hear Tony Massenberg in the 5 o'clock hour at 5 to talk about the um, time with Lefty at, at uh, Maryland. And he was there at the very end. Uh of that Maryland run after the Len Bias scandal and all that. So I uh, have some good stuff coming up from uh, Tony Massenberg at 5. All right, 757-687-9494, if you want to hit us up. Ballyhoo's uh, phone line, the text line there as well. We will get in 4 o'clock into some NFL items over the weekend. There was some interesting stuff that came out um, in regards to uh, – you know, the franchise tag possibilities. And one of these things that I really love to hate on, um, James, which is odds, like made up odds on said player going somewhere. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? So, anyway, we're, we'll dive into uh, all that a little bit later on. All right. So, this kind of came out today, and people are kind of dogging the guy for saying it. But if you, I mean, if you listen to the entirety of what Mike Trout said, I don't think it's as salacious as everybody wants it to be. To be, yes, he is committed to sticking around with the Angels. Isn't looking to be traded right now, but he did say if as time goes on, you know, maybe, maybe it would make sense, right? Like if if they aren't able to do it. But his first inclination at 32 years old is to stick it out with the Angels, the only franchise he's been with, and try to win there. But if over time that doesn't happen, then you know. Subject to change as time moves on. I, and I know like the inclination is, okay, here's Mike Trout, who has been the face of baseball prior to Shohei Otani. It doesn't seem like he wants to win because he's not like forcing his way out of somewhere. Is that is that the, is that the, what you what you're some, catching? Some people are get are, are doing that, but at the same time, where it's almost like we've forgotten how to reward loyalty, and maybe it's because we're talking about the Angels. And I'll be honest, when yeah. I was to, when I was doing it in the update when he was talking about having uh, encouraging Artie Moreno mm-hmm. to sign at least one of the other high profile free agents, I couldn't get through that without snickering. I just right. I just thought that was hilarious <laughs> that he thought that that was even an option. He's you, dude, you've been there long enough to know that's probably not going to well, happen. They spend so. money; it's just they don't spend it very. Very well. I mean, and look, no fault of their. Well, it is a fault of their own. If you didn't, you know, they were they, they brought in they brought in Anthony Rendon, who's been hurt a ton, right? 
Like Rendon is is consistently injured. Um, there's some funny stuff about him today. Yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> on yep. the X, where he's basically saying, you know, baseball's down the list of his priorities. <laughs> now, granted, again, if you go and hear the entirety of what yeah. he said, he's like, look, you know, my family's more important. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. faith's more important. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. But he's always been know. a guy who said, I remember when he was young at the, with the Nationals, and I'll, I'll never forget this. He said baseball was boring to him. He didn't watch it in his time off. He didn't like it. Uh, you know, he's good at it, so he plays it, essentially. He's always been kind of a different dude, uh, kind of weird. And then the other problem on top of being a different dude is he doesn't stay healthy. So that's who the Angels hitched their wagon to, him and obviously Trout. They had this Otani time, which was amazing, but they couldn't capitalize. I remember last year they were making all the trades at the end of the season. Yep. They, were, they were trying to go all in um, to make this playoff push, which they couldn't make. So I, I look. I respect Trout for doing it. Would I be mad if he said he wanted to play for a better organization or one that looked was like it was closer to winning? You couldn't blame him for that. You couldn't blame him for doing that. I mean, he's made all the money he could possibly need, right? Um, or maybe it just boils down to the fact that he likes being available in October to go to Philadelphia Eagles games. I think that he also <laughs> enjoys not having the pressure that comes with being in a winning organization. I don't even know if he's worried about pressure. I, I just I think this is he also I th- I believe is a different kind of guy. I don't I don't think he is as you know excited about you know he doesn't necessarily see playing for the Yankees as something or the Dodgers like some other players would as being the greatest thing ever. I think he really wants to try to uh, try to make it happen with the Angels, even though it's probably as we all you know just sit here from the outside looking in say to ourselves. It's never going to happen with the Angels, right? Well, it's also again easy to not to be able to live in LA, Anaheim, live in live in the Los Angeles area yeah, without right. the pressure that comes for playing with the Dodgers. Yeah, but I mean, let's be honest. If he just joined up with the Dodgers, it wouldn't be much pressure for him because there's so many other great players in that team, right? I mean, he'd be surrounded by other great players. There's probably more pressure, and, it, and it's more difficult because you don't have protection in the lineup that it is right with with the. Uh, with the fact that he's got all these great players around. Or exactly, doesn't have yeah. great players around him, you know right. what I mean, right now. And again, one of the guys who's supposed to be a great player, since he's gone to Anaheim, hasn't been much of a player at all, and Rendon, who's hurt all the time. Uh, but I actually found the Rendon comments way more interesting and funny today because just remembering him from his early days of the Nationals, and I always felt like, I don't think this guy gives a damn about anything. <laughs> Not to say you can't be good without, like, totally eat, breathing, and sleeping baseball, but there, I don't know, you got to kind of have a... I don't know. You got to have some type of historical feeling, right, of the sport or uh, some passion about it, right? I mean, it's just a little strange how just laissez faire he is about a lot of stuff. Look, and and everybody, everybody and their brother. I mean, I'm sure this happened to you. This has happened to me. Everybody's taken a job at some point in their life where, like, it's just a job. I need money. Yeah. This is what I'm going to do until I go to the next thing. Usually, Major League Baseball. (laughs) Is not that kind of job. So I think you, you, you got to be pretty damn good. When right? you have somebody that's, yeah. you know, stuck in a dead end job, cliche, the, to hear somebody that's playing Major League Baseball say that, kind of, yeah, it's not a great look. Yeah. I mean, like if you're a scout, like if you're a scout and they're always looking for some type of edge, right? And they're doing psychological profiles, what have you, on players. On said players, and you're and you're doing the Anthony Rendon profile, and you're asking him questions about his love of the game, and he's telling you how, you know, it's really it's boring, it's not fun, but you know, and all that stuff. And if you hadn't seen him in the cage and seen him in the field where he's excellent, you you probably would have been like, just don't draft, like do not draft this guy. But then uh-huh. you see this 
physical tools and the raw ability and you're like oh crap you know we can't not draft the guy just because he you know does it know like the 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 1927 yankees lineup doesn't mean that he's he's a bad guy or anything or he's a bad prospect so it is weird but i don't know i was kind of more put off by rendon because he continues to do this he just doesn't give a damn uh than i am about trout being like yeah i want to stick it out a little bit longer you know and see how it goes see if we can actually win something here i don't hate what trout said either I think that yeah, I it, there's, there's, there's a bit of honor involved in wanting to try and stick it out and win it with the Angels. They, they, I, I will yeah. give him that. I mean, he's not trying to do – like, he's not trying to join some super team to steal, like, an NBA thing, right? Right. Like, he's not, like – all right, I hate to do this this guy because I actually like him, but he's not pulling a Kevin Durant here going to join the Golden State Warriors. Like, he's not Fair, asking yeah. to go – say, hey, send me to the Dodgers or whoever, you know, whoever could give you the – you know send me the Yankees or whatever. So, I mean, I get, there is some some level of honor in that. And he did, again, he did caveat it at the end saying, well, you know, a couple years or a few years down the road, if we're still here, then maybe at that point I would, you know, want to chase a ring somewhere. And you, could, you can't hate him for that. Plus, aren't we kind of sick of guys power playing their way out of places to go play somewhere else? I, I am. I, I, yeah, yeah, me absolutely. too. So I, I can think speak that, for myself here, yeah. That's why this is a little refreshing that, you know, somebody's kind of doing the opposite. Yeah, it, it was uh, – no, it's, it is excellent. Um that at least he wants to fight it out. Now, again, I, I would say the odds, if you're uh, you know putting it on the old ESPN bet today, probably not good for him to be there and winning a World Series. No, not great. If you wanted to win a World Series, probably not going to be the best place for Mike Trout. All right, 757-687-9494, 757-687-9494. Hey, tomorrow is day one of franchise tag season. Um, there are going to be a lot of uh, stories between now and... And, of course, the end of franchise tag season on who should get it and who won't get it. Uh, we'll get into uh, some of the obvious candidates coming up here on the other side. And uh, also uh, the new cap figures uh, that are being punted around in terms of the NFL salary money this year and how that may impact uh, franchising players. we get to it right on the other side of uh, update. Uh, Scott Jackson Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We are brought to you by Larry Kinglaw. Injured in an accident. Call 757-INJURED. 757-INJURED. James Witham, Sky Sports Center.